God speaks to us today through St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Watch carefully how you live, not as foolish persons, but as wise, making the most of this opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not continue in ignorance, but try to understand what is the will of the Lord. Because the days are evil. My brothers and sisters, as a priest, I wish to offer you today some thoughts on these evil days especially concerning the multiplicity of recent scandals plaguing the church. If you've been blessed enough to not have internet access or television, those include a report by a Pennsylvania grand jury of the systematic abuse of children over decades and the cover-up of that abuse by the bishops, the abuse of minors and seminarians by former Cardinal Archbishop McCarrick, the systematic sexual harassment of seminarians in multiple seminaries throughout North and South America, and the knowledge of this abuse by many in the hierarchy. Many people, laity, my brother priests, have expressed shock at the extent of these revelations. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not shocked. And I don't think we can look at the history of the church over the last 60 years and be shocked that this has been going on in the background and that these are the men in charge. We've seen the emptying of seminaries and convents, the gross neglect of church teaching, severe moral laxity, the betrayal of the church's mission by almost every Catholic university in existence in 1960, the degradation of Catholic worship, the acceptance of the sexual revolution and abortion, the widespread loss of faith amongst young people, and of course the priestly sexual abuse scandal that burst on the scene in 2002. A scandal the bishops sought to remedy by holding none of their own accountable and throwing all their priests under the bus. And you cannot explain all this by incompetence. This is evil. And as Bishop Barron of Los Angeles rightly noted, for the scandal to be this grave and this broad and this deep is not just evil, it's diabolical. So I am not shocked, but I am quite angry. Angry at the betrayal of God's people by God's bishops, and angry at, seem, at what seems to me to be a current attempt by some members of the hierarchy to take the focus off what they and their brother bishops have done and haven't done and what they knew and didn't know. Cardinal DiNardo, the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, said, an investigation into the questions surrounding Archbishop McCarrick, has promised an investigation into the questions surrounding Archbishop McCarrick. And that is very vague, and the questions are not specified. Cardinal Supich of Chicago elaborated by saying, 
Cardinal DiNardo announced on behalf of all the bishops that our conference will launch a thorough investigation of the allegations against Archbishop McCarrick. Cardinal Dolan had the temerity to suggest that the recent case of Archbishop McCarrick exemplifies the progress that has been made. As if dealing with this new allegation or the allegations against this one person was the issue. It is not the issue. The question is, who in the hierarchy knew about these allegations and when? Who had evidence they were occurring? What did they do with that evidence? Is there a network of sexually immoral bishops and priests who have been covering up each other's crimes and sins? The real issue is how McCarrick was able to get away with the well-known abuse of minors and especially of scores of seminarians and young priests for decades with impunity and was rewarded with promotion not only to Archbishop but to the College of Cardinals and won the confidence of some of the most powerful members of that group and of the Pope himself. How did this happen? And who is responsible? And those are the questions that need answering. And I think to neglect those questions would be to further the scandal. Cardinal Tobin, the successor of McCarrick, or one of the successors of McCarrick in Newark, New Jersey, said, we cannot undo the actions of the past, but we must continue to act with vigilance today. We can't undo the past but we can punish the actions of the past. And for the sake of justice and of healing and of the ending of this scandal, I think we must do it. So I'm not shocked, but I am angry. And I am also resolved. I am resolved to put pressure on the bishops and the Holy Father to remove those bishops who carried out this cover-up either by action or omission. I am resolved to pray and to do penance for my brother priests, for the healing of the victims, for all those who have had their faith shaken. And I am resolved to try and be <laughs> to be a faithful priest however much this great office has been sullied by the sins of others. And now I have a question for you. Quo Vadis, where are you going? When I was on vacation in Rome many years ago, I took a trip outside the city walls along the Appian Way, this road that was built over 20 centuries ago by the Roman legions and we came across this chapel, the Quo Vadis Chapel, literally the Where Are You Going Chapel. And it's the chapel that marks the spot of a story of St. Peter while he was Bishop of Rome. And it was during a particularly difficult persecution for the church, and Peter as bishop was a chief target, and so he was leaving the city of Rome to safety. And he's walking on the Appian Way, 
and he sees our Lord coming in the other direction. And he asks our Lord, Quo vadis? Where are you going? And Jesus says, I am going to Rome to be crucified again. And Peter is so ashamed, he turns around and goes back to Rome and is martyred for preaching the gospel. So quo vadis, where are you going? And you might be tempted to give up on the church or on faith or on God. Don't. Don't leave. First, because the church needs you. She needs our tears. Blessed are those who mourn, who mourn over the sins of the world that caused the Son of God to suffer and die. And she needs our prayers for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit on her priests and bishops. And she needs your anger, our anger, to expose and punish the evil that some are still trying to hide. Secondly, don't leave because you need to be here for your own salvation. You need to be here because Jesus Christ is here in this church, in the tabernacle and on the altar and inside each one of us. Jesus Christ is here. He says, I am the bread of life. And he is so anxious to feed us so eager to give himself that week after week he puts his own body into the hands of sinful priests and bishops and he endures that sacrilege and that indignity so that he might feed his people. And you can't turn your back on that kind of love without earning your own damnation. No servant is greater than his master. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Quo vadis? Where are you going? As a priest and as a Dominican, I made promises until death, and I intend to be faithful to those promises. And I am going nowhere, because Jesus Christ is here. And Joshua, the successor of Moses, presented a choice to the Jewish people 3,500 years ago. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land which you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord.